Welcome to the Elevate Podcast. I am your host and coach, Tyler Johnson. Thank you for tuning in. And whether you've tuned in to elevate your mindset, your game, or just your day, you're in the right place. My guest this episode is an up-and-coming speaker and facilitator for the John Gordon Companies. She is the daughter of the best-selling author, John Gordon. She has a bright future of speaking on stages and changing lives. Welcome to the Elevate Podcast, Jade Gordon. How are you today? I'm doing good. How are you? Doing well. Excited to have you. Um, you're probably the first father-daughter now combination that has been on this podcast. Um, daughter of John Gordon. But I guess to start, let's just jump off. It's probably a question you're, you get a lot, but what's it like growing up Gordon? Um, I always say, like as a joke, that it, like, growing up with the energy guy or the positive guy as my dad was so annoying. <laughs> sometimes you just want to, you know, complain, right? It's just a normal thing. And so growing up with that, it was kind of annoying. But now looking back, I'm so appreciative because I have mental toughness. I have grit. He taught me how to stay positive through challenges, adversity. So while growing up, you know, when you're a teenager, it's really annoying and it's your own parent. You don't really want to listen to them. Now I'm so grateful. And now I can share that with other people. So I, I it's awesome looking back. I think, you know, one thing that makes your dad special is that he does share his challenges and how he leans on those things. And it's not all fluffy bunnies, yes. um, so to speak. But uh, what was kind of the thing you've kind of followed in the footsteps? You're on the stage out sharing, talking to kids, companies and all those things. What kind of made you want to do that? Uh, honestly, so I had graduated college with a degree in communications and I moved out to Los Angeles. I was working at a world famous restaurant and my dad said, before I do anything, um, if I decide to work with him, I have to get a job in the hospitality or the service industry to just learn like the, what servant leadership is to be in an environment that could be toxic, that you're facing all these challenges, you're frustrated, learning how to serve people without really getting anything in return. And so I was working at this job and honestly, I was miserable. After a year and a half, I was so miserable. And I was like, I feel like I'm made for so much more, but I don't know what that is. I started taking acting classes in LA, but then the pandemic happened and I was like, it's not really a passion of mine. I don't think I want to do that. Um, and then I was in a relationship with somebody who it was just a, a crazy, crazy situation. And I was focusing more on the guy that I was with and how I could help him be his best and lift him up that I realized I wasn't doing anything to help myself. And so I was at work one day and this woman came up and uh, we just had this this talk where she asked me if I was a Christian, if she could pray for me. And I said, yes, please. And she said, you know, this girl is, I can tell she's fearful. I can tell that she's not stepping into her calling. Like God, use her, show her what her purpose is. And she even said, like, I had never met this woman in my life. And she said, I see you going all around the country, impacting people's lives. And so after that conversation with her, I went home and I said, okay, God, what am I here to do? And I realized, you know, when I'm with my dad, people stop him often. And they're like, Hey, your book changed my life. Or somebody gave me your book and it has changed my perspective on everything. And so I really thought about it. And I said, you know what? I know this stuff, like the back of my hand, I grew up with it. I know it so well, 
I can help impact people. I have the ability to do that. And so I said, dad, I think I want to do it. And he said, all right, let's do it. And him, him being him just threw me into it, said, Hey, I have a couple things lined up for you to go to like your girl's high school lacrosse team, all these like little things just to get practice in. And so I, I did it and I was like, wow, I really, really love this. So now I'm doing it. What was going in as you stepped into those opportunities? What were you most fearful of? And then what were you most proud of after stepping into those? I would say most fearful. I still to this day have very bad imposter syndrome to where I'm like, my dad has impacted millions of people. And maybe they're expecting me to be the exact same as him. And he's been doing this for like 10 years. And so every time I get up on stage, every time somebody signs a contract to have me come speak, I am very much like, what if they're not impressed? What if they're like, well, this is not John Gordon. Like we thought we were getting his daughter and she was going to be just as good. And I've had to teach myself that they don't want my dad. If they wanted my dad, they'd bring him in to speak. They want to hear from me. They want to hear my perspectives, my stories, how I kind of relate to this material. So that's helped a lot. A lot of people have told me that like, they don't want to hear from a 50 year old man. They want to hear from you. Especially when I go talk to teens, like they're going to be, if my dad's up on stage, most of the time they're like, who's this man? Who is he? Whereas I'm 24, I'm closer to age with them. I can relate a lot better. So I've, I had a really bad imposter syndrome, but now just being proud of myself for, for going up and doing it, for not allowing that fear to hold me back, because there's so many times where I think that all the time where people comment on my dad's stuff saying, okay, cool, she's doing it, but what qualifications does she have other than being your daughter? And I have to remind myself like, no, I know this stuff so well. I've gone through the trainings. I've sat there and done things that people do to be certified to be able to teach this stuff. So it's kind of reminding myself of things I teach other people to have a more positive mindset and that perspective when you're facing those challenges and adversity, like, no, I got this. Like I am. Yeah. I think the, you'll continue to be very successful because I think that relatability um, and that imposter stuff will fade. You're, you knock that out. Um, But one of the things I, I think it's also valuable with your age that often gets overlooked is that ability to relate, ability to understand a little bit closer to the demographic you may be trying to encourage or inspire. Um, what do you, what are some things you see when you go talk to high schoolers or, you know, college age kids, uh, from your experience and your observations out and about that they need help with, that they need encouragement with? Um, so something, so obviously right now I'm Um, teaching about the power of positive leadership on my dad's book, but I eventually want to move towards like confidence and identity, speaking about that kind of creating, um, you know, material around that so that I can go and teach teens and, you know, people my age, because every time I go do like a workshop with teens or even a keynote, I'll ask them to write down three negative thoughts that they tell themselves. And then also three truths that they can speak to those lies because they are lies. And I've found every single group that I've spoken to, everybody says that they're not good enough. They feel like they are not good enough. And without like without fail, every single person and every single group I've spoken to, even adults have all said that. And so I feel like we really struggle with not being enough. And 
oftentimes I have to tell them, okay, what's the truth that you can speak to that lie? And they'll say, I've worked for this. Like I should be in this position. Like I am good enough. So I feel like confidence and identity and knowing who we are is just, people are struggling with it, especially now with COVID and everything with mental health, with what am I here to do? You know, the pandemic just threw, you know, a wrench in so many people's plans. And so I think confidence and identity is definitely the biggest thing that I've seen. Like the, what are some things like, I feel I just turned 40. So I've got two younger kids and being around student athletes and those kids a lot. I also realized the job market is so much drastically different. The things that you can do, the people we can connect to the global connection. What are some positives that you see that often get misunderstood with young people, whether it be kind of socially or they're, uh, they get, I guess, labeled as, you know, all the same things that the generations before us did, but what are some positive things that you really see that they're capable of? Um, I actually just had a conversation about this uh, the other day with somebody about how nowadays people are looking for this younger generation to be more creative, to know how to do more things with technology. I was at a, a car dealership talking to one of the sales guys and he said, yeah, we are really looking for people out of college because they have the expertise in, um, they were taking classes on how to edit things, on how to be creative, on how to give new ideas because this younger generation is so much more creative. And so I feel like that is a huge advantage with this job market is that we're always looking, especially with, you know, advertising and so much social media, people are really looking for this creative generation and we have it. I mean, these, you know, my generation, even ones to come, like they are so creative and always thinking about ways to like, just make things so much better. So I think that's a huge advantage. I think it's interesting because there's like so many jobs that weren't jobs when I was younger that are now jobs and yeah. someone created those jobs and now we need people to step into those jobs. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it's so, uh, I always find it a little bit ironic, but um, wanted to play a new game on this podcast. You've shared the stage with several other guests uh, that have been on the podcast. So I'm going to put out a, a few names and I want you in one or two words, sum up uh, how cool these people are as well from your experience so I'm, I'm guessing you're gonna say they're cool but uh damon west a word amazing stephen mackey oh man rock he's a rock he's a rock yeah jordan montgomery these are such good people oh my gosh it's so hard to describe them in just like one or two words um, I would say just caring. And then I got last, but uh, not least, John Gordon. <laughs> uh, say three words. My favorite parent. Ah, oh, all right, all right. <laughs> Start some controversy. Uh, no, I, was, I wanted to, to play that uh, short little game because I think they're all amazing people as well. I know you've had some opportunities and. Uh, Another opportunity coming up, I believe you're working on a book. Is that right? Yes. yes. Yeah. Kind Plans. of. Yeah. Yeah. So on that note, what are, you talked about building some stuff around identity, which I think is so important. I struggled with that it, being a former college athlete. And I see a lot of kids struggle with those things. But what are some some of their future goals and things that you want to do beyond some of the things you mentioned? Um, 
Honestly, I just, I want to impact as many people as possible. And obviously right now I'm speaking on my dad's stuff and I want to develop something with confidence and identity, but I also want to kind of transition into talking about my story and my testimony and kind of how I got to where I am, because I have, believe it or not, I've been through some crazy, crazy things. And every time I tell people about them, they're like, people need to hear that. Like people can relate, even if they haven't been in that situation, there's stories and there's things that they can take from that. So um, I'm just kind of figuring out the right audience. Cause a lot of it is just like really crazy stuff. But, um, I feel like when you're telling your story, there's a lot more passion and there's like a purpose behind that. So I eventually want to get to a place where I can develop it so that I can just kind of share and impact people with that. You could uh, jump in a time machine, go visit 16 year old you and give yourself a piece of advice that you've learned since then. What would you go back and tell 16 year old Jade? That is so hard. I would tell 16-year-old Jade that she just has to stay strong and that all the people around her, no matter what's going on, like eventually she, cause I like growing up, I, I dealt with a lot of bullying and it was really hard because I, at that age, like you don't know who you are. And so now looking back, like I felt like I just kind of like was lost at that time. But now looking back, those same people who were like bullying me and teasing me and giving me a hard time are like, wow, we're so proud of you. Like, we can't believe what you're doing. Like, this is just so amazing watching you step into your calling. So looking back, I'd be like, just don't, don't worry about what those people have to say. Like, just let them pick on you, whatever. But also I would tell myself to stand up for myself because I really didn't. Uh, But looking back, like those people eventually they don't they don't really matter like you're living your purpose your passion your calling doesn't matter looking back on my own experience as a teenager it was just i think people the way they looked at me felt very different when i felt just extremely insecure <laughs> and yeah. then that just radiated out in a lot of weird ways <laughs> yeah, yeah no know? i feel that you know and so um what are you know, one or two things, you know, young people listening or coaches um, that they could do today to, to step up into a leadership role or to, to share a little bit more encouragement with those on their teams. Uh, one of the, one of my favorite things that I usually share is the four C's. So it's how to create great relationships. So you need to communicate with people. And when you communicate, you create that, that trust, right? And then when you have that communication, you create connection, which is the bond that you have with them. Mm. And once you have, you have the bond, you have to show that you're committed. So whether it be just showing up for them, encouraging them, um, whatever it may be, just knowing that like you have their back or that they can reciprocate that. And the fourth C is care. Just show somebody that you care. Cause I often feel like, especially in sports or school or whatever it is, we're just like kind of doing our own thing, but it's like, no, you need to show that like, this is your team that you ride or you die. You know what I mean? Like you go in there and you are a team, you're connected, you're doing everything you can to show that you're there for them. So I feel like that's a huge thing with leadership is just knowing, like we all want to know that we're cared for, right? So when you communicate with people, ask them how they're doing. How can I help you? How can I lift you up? And then also having that connection, like just knowing like this is my teammate, they're there for me and they're going to show up every single day to help me be my best, to encourage me that I have them on my team 
kind of thing. Like they, I know no matter what they're with me. So I feel like those four C's are so important in creating great relationships so that you can help be a leader yourself and lead other people. Love it. Um, Clemson grad, correct? Mm -hmm. So I know your dad, they know your dad. I know there's a relationship with, with Dabo there. Is there a, a Dabo story of, of leadership or one that, that you can share that uh, kind of gives under the hood of what kind of a, a coach he is? Man, there are so many just because he's such an amazing leader. But I would say that um, so last season when we just did not have a good season at all, which was very frustrating, um, but he never got really angry. He just kept saying, like, we've got this. Like, I believe in these guys. He kept developing them, kept lifting them up, saying, like, you know, I know we're not playing to the best that we can, but like he's going to keep pouring into them, keep, you know, encouraging them. And I feel like that's so important because a lot of coaches and a lot of even players get caught up in the winning and they Clemson in itself, the football program just has a really good foundation of developing the men as not just players, but like men for the outside world. Cause not everybody goes into the NFL. So they just really focus on who they are as a person. And I feel like that is so important as a leader and also like setting an, an example because he could easily, you know, be so frustrated and angry and be yelling at these guys and whatever. Cause he, he obviously has a lot of pressure and expectation, but it didn't matter. He didn't waver. He literally just said, I love these guys and I'm going to keep, you know, lifting them up. And that's what he did. And I've talked to the players because I have some friends who played, you know, last year and they were like, it, it was like, it made a huge difference. Just knowing that he was mad at us, he wasn't yelling at us. It was that, that made us work so much harder because he continued to believe in us. Eating with love. I love it. Yeah. Um, outside your dad. Yeah, there's got to be other, some other amazing influences um, that have kind of guided you or helped you on your path or that you look to, but who are some of those other leaders, speakers, or influences that, that have also helped you um, and that you look to? Um, I would say not necessarily, they're not a speaker, but my mom, my mom is, I get a lot of my personality from her and she is probably one of the strongest people I know. And my dad will tell you like, he would not be the man he is today without my mother. And so just growing up with her being this fierce, loving woman who I know would do anything for me and, you know, develop me to be a strong person in myself and my, you know, independentness. And so uh, obviously my leadership and stuff and my ideologies, a lot of them come from my dad, but like my personality of loving people, caring for them and showing up for them, I would say definitely comes from my mom and like was a huge influence with that growing up. So, but also speakers like obviously Damon, Stephen Mackey, like they have been great mentors to me over the summer. We did some events together and um, just the encouragement that they've given me and the belief because leadership is a transfer of belief, just telling me that I can do it when I'm up on stage They're, You know, I know that they're in my corner, that they're cheering me on. And when I get off, it's like, okay, how can I help you be better? And there's always, you know, ways that they're like, Hey, you did so amazing, but you know, speak like this next time or do this. So it's never in a way that's like telling me I did something wrong. They're just always trying to develop me so that I can be my best. And from my first event that I did with Stephen Mackey to my last, he was like night and day. And so just having that, you know, mentorship 
watching him get up and speak and how amazing he is. Um, and then just Damon getting up there and like passionately telling his story. It's like, wow, I, I want to be like that one day, you know? Yeah. So it's great to have that to look up to. No doubt. Um, one other last question, I guess, like to always ask is if, you know, if, if you could wish upon all the other young people out there, if give you a magic wand and tomorrow all the young people wake up there, wake up with a little bit, of an empowered skill that they didn't have the day before, what would you want to empower them with? I, I feel like I just keep coming back to confidence, just having yeah. that confidence because like I'm 24. I'm still, I have a lot more confidence now that I did when I was younger, but I'm still also still finding that confidence. And so I wish I had the confidence I have now when I was younger, because I feel like that would have helped so much I would have you know not struggled so much with my identity and all those different issues so I just hope that people just find their confidence and knowing who they are because I feel like that is so difficult with it's like who am I what am I here to do like what skills do I have how can I you know impact people or whatever it may be and just like knowing like truly who you are uh I feel like that just makes things so much easier love it no confidence 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 mm -hmm. um and with some fun ones who's who's the best tennis player in the family my brother brother okay. yeah yeah okay. i mean we play a lot as a family but i mean you know he played yes. in college and he's just he's phenomenal he's amazing yeah. lights yeah. it up yeah. um and then i know i've seen a, a clip of you speak i thought it was a, a good story but it was a, a mistaken identity story when you worked at this, the famous Nobu in, in Santa Monica. Can you, can you share a little bit about kind of that story and, and how it relates to when you share it? Yeah. So um, I was working at Nobu Malibu. It was my first day on the job. And if people don't know what Nobu is, it is like the most famous restaurant in the world. And it's the number one photograph restaurant. So people go there from all over the world. Um, and even the woman I was talking about earlier who prayed for me, she came all the way from North Carolina just to eat at this restaurant. And so I'm there working and um, it's like a very high profile place. So many celebrities come in, actors, um, influencers, everybody that you've seen in Hollywood has been to Nobu Malibu. And I probably met them. But one day I was working and we have like these iPads to check people in for the reservations. And we book a month in advance. Like we only take reservations a month out. And so we are booked up like crazy. And so people are always coming in trying to get reservations. And we have such a long wait. But this guy walks up and he has sunglasses on, a mask and a hoodie on. And I said, hi, like, what's the name on the reservation? And he didn't say a single word. And so I'm just standing there like, first off, this is my first day in the job. Like, I don't really know what's going on. Right. Yeah. And so he doesn't say anything. And I'm like, OK, do you have a reservation? And he still doesn't say a single thing. He just looks at me. But I can't really tell he's looking at me because he has sunglasses on. Right. And so I'm like, OK, well, if you don't have a reservation, I can add you to the wait list. Right now, we are quoting a minimum four-hour wait, unless we have cancellations or no-shows, but I can put your number down and give you a call. All of a sudden, my manager comes flying around the corner, walks up to this man and says, sir, you can follow me right this way. She walks him to the table, sits him down, and I'm like, what, what was that? Like, what just happened? And she walks up to me, and she's like, Jane, that was Leonardo DiCaprio. And I had no idea. I'm like, there's no way. And honestly, even when he took off the hoodie, 
the sunglasses and the mask, I still probably wouldn't have recognized him. He does not look like he looks like on, you know, in Hollywood. It's probably all the makeup and stuff, but I still wouldn't have recognized him. I was like, okay, but that was my first day on the job to where I was like, I got to kick it into gear. I got to, you know, I can't let that happen again. So anytime somebody would come up, I'd be like, what's your phone number? And I would look and see if they had like a profile, as you can see. And if it was like a famous person, I'd, I'd be like, okay, I got it. I got it. But yeah, that definitely like, it was crazy. Sarah, so when your dad, you know, suggested going into the, the hospitality, I know you said it wasn't, you know, your thing. I spent some time working at restaurants and bars in my younger years. <laughs> and uh, was there a good lesson or, or two that you took out of it? Or what were a few things that I think I, I always joke with some parents of athletes that if you don't think your coach cares, go get a job at Applebee's mm-hmm. <laughs> and go work yeah. for that, go work for that manager at Chili's and, and see how much they're going to pour into you versus that coach or teacher. Yeah. And I always use that. So I, I do think there's some, some value in, in those things, but what were some things that you took from those hospitality experiences? So one of the, I would say the major thing that I took away was uh, like just teamwork, honestly, just like good leadership, because especially working at a place like Nobu, where it's like so fast paced, like you have to really be on it. Um, So like I worked as a hostess, so I would seat the people and then we would have the servers who they would bust the tables and all that stuff. But it, again, it was so fast paced that sometimes it wasn't getting done right away. And we had famous people coming in that we had to get them seated. And if their table wasn't ready, that meant they had to wait. Oh my gosh. And we can't have no, them no, wait, no, no. right? Yeah. And so um, if I would see like a table not you know, ready as a hostess, it's not my job to go bust the table, but it's my job to get them seated. So I would go up to a table and I would start busting it and I would start wiping it down. And then the busters would come up and they're like, Hey, like, you don't have to do that. Cause they didn't want to get in trouble. I'm like, no teamwork makes the dream work. Like you're busy. I got to do this. It's okay. And like at the end, when I ended up quitting um, to start speaking, everybody was so upset that I was leaving. Cause they were like, you're the only one that would like help get tables ready. You're the only one that would, you know, get them set up and put the glasses and the silverware and whatever. And so they were like, I left a mark on that knowing that like I was also helping them when I didn't have to, because that was teamwork. And so um, I think that was like one of the the best things that I learned is like, no matter what, even if it's not your job, you can still help other people. You can still show up. And cause there was like other people I worked with that were like streaming at them. Like you need to get this ready. This is your job. And it's like, okay, but you're not doing anything aside from getting them seated, go clean the table. You know what I mean? So I think I learned just like the importance of just showing up for people, even when you, it's not your job, even when you don't have to.